0: Hello there, and welcome to Pagan Gumbo Podcast. I'm Forrest, and I am here today with Sequoia, Seamus, and Michael. And uh, today's topic is a particularly interesting one to me, because I find myself absolutely ignorant on the subject, and that is fairies, the fae, uh, the wee folk, and... Uh, <laughs> or Popeye, apparently... <laughs> Um, and uh, I was pestering Michael uh, to discuss this with us and, and maybe uh, elucidate some of the finer aspects of, of this topic because I, I would really like to know more, and I imagine that you would too. So, Michael. Yes? What are, <laughs> what are some of the key aspects that people need to know before engaging the Fey?
1: So, most of us learn about fairies through the aptly named fairy tales. We we kind of come into the, the notion of fairies through stories that are told to us, whether those be movies, which have a particular kind of fairy look when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Tinkerbell. Um, or whether they are stories that you are told by family, friends, things like that. And we all know fairy stories. They... they They come to us from every direction. Again, whether it be Tinkerbell or whether it be Rip Van Winkle, um, we all know them. We hear them all the time throughout our lives. And in my case, I tell them to my kids because I want them to know and to understand that there are things that they should understand how to interact with in the world that I can't necessarily explain to them. Um, And... One of the things that we should probably loop back around to toward the end is I actually, I sat down with the kids and I asked them a bunch of questions uh, at one of our, our rituals. And I said, hey, what do you know about fairies? Where can you find them? That kind of stuff. So we'll come back around to that. But uh, the the way that I describe fairies in general is that fairies are spirits of nature, spirits of place, spirits sometimes of things Um, There's not a single clear category of them. There are lots of different kinds of fairies out there. And all of those fairies, uh, I I tend to class them, using an Ian Corganism, um, I tend to class them as the never born. So they are not things that are born like we are, like our ancestors are. Our ancestors were born, they become spirits after that. Uh, The gods themselves are known to be born in genealogies of of gods and things like that. But fairies are something that are older than us outside of time, typically. There are older fairies and younger fairies. There are fairy children. There are changelings. There are things like that. Um, But they're not always things that are born. They tend to always be as they are, whatever that might be. Um, And... When people ask me for, you know, how do you deal with them or how do you work with them, the my my first response is almost always, they have different rules than we do. Hmm. They abide by older rules, things that we don't necessarily understand. They're very contract-driven in some cases. If they give you their word, they will keep it, and you better keep yours if you give it to them. Hmm. Um, they they are bound by those old rules of hospitality that we all know but we don't always follow ourselves. Um, and when you think about the the fairy stories of the Brothers Grimm of um, particularly old Europe, but really all around the world um, you learn things like don't tell fairies your name. If you know the name of a fairy you can have control over it. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because you know something specific about that being. And it is through knowledge that you can act on that being. Mm. And so that's why names are important. And knowing true names and having a fake name to give to somebody um, is a useful thing. Mm. Um, don't eat. Don't eat. Uh, the, the three rules of spirit work that I have are... you know. Not all gods give good gifts. Not all that is dead is wise. And food beneath the mound is not for you. You do not eat food that is offered to you in the other world. It's because, again, they have old rules of hospitality. If you accept food, that means that you are there to stay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you will stay. That's what happened to Ruth Van Winkle in some versions of the story. Mm -hmm. He shows up. He partakes of the food. He enjoys the party. And because time for them is different than it is for us... He falls asleep, he wakes up 40 years later, and all of his friends are dead. (laughs) It's not malicious, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's not evil or harmful necessarily, but it's different. And that's the thing about fairies. Um, I'm I'm very hard-pressed to describe evil fairies or malevolent fairies. I think they just have different rules than we do. I don't describe, for example, a wolf that is out hunting as evil. I describe it as doing what wolves do. And I think it's very much the same way with fairies in a lot of cases.
0: So if a fairy were to know a human person's name, does that give the fairy control over that person?
1: It it could, depending on the version of the tale. Um, But usually when a child, for instance, meets a fairy and uh, the fairy says, well, who are you? And the child responds... I'm me. They don't give their name, they say, I'm me. Because that's what kids do, you know that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, there, there's a particular fairy tale that I'm thinking of where it's a child fairy and, and the child, start they start playing together and then the child fairy burns herself on um, a, a, a coal in the fire mm. and runs away and her mother comes and says, who did this to you? And The fairy says, it was me. And the kid gets off scot-free because the kid didn't give her name out. Right. Um, So there are lots of advantages to that. And that's why in ancient magical texts as well, people masquerade as other people. And they pretend to be other people. So you've got, I don't know, Solomon, Moses, Aaron, all of these magician names that people masquerade as to imply they have more power than they actually do and to fool the spirits in case they make a misstep and not so they don't come back after them.
2: Mm. Very cool. Do they have a uniform look or are they they all look different?
1: Um, it's a complicated question to answer because I think that we all see them differently. And certainly the lore has them looking different, depending on the kind of fairy that they are. Brownies are small. They live in your house. Red caps, wear red caps. Um, <coughs> There's banshees, the ones that help you at
3: night and make
1: collar yep. shoes or whatever. And, <laughs> yep. you know Banshees wash at the ford. Um, they wash the clothes of the dead and wail over them. Um, and
0: they're considered fae. They are fae. I didn't realize oh, that they okay. were also mm-hmm. fae. Yeah.
1: A, a lot of the things that you find in, in legend and lore could be classified as that. Things that come out of the ground, mm-hmm. things that are um, clearly not of our world, mm-hmm. but are not gods, tend to fall into that, that general category of fey, fairy, nature, spirity sorts of things. And the categories are really tough
2: mm-hmm. to,
1: to put your hands around. It depends on who you're talking
3: to. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, many people have many ideas, um, but some of them have teeth. To answer your question about mm-hmm. do they all look the same? No, they all don't look like Tinkerbell, if That's what you're asking.
2: Yeah, you know, they're already not already all
3: cute little little things it, with okay. wings mm-hmm. and you know the midsummer sprites. Sprites, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, you know, it, it, much like D and D, there would probably be a, a book with your different. Uh, a Classification, yeah, ma- a fairy <laughs> manual. And I'm sure there's some out there. I'm Lady sure Cottington's
1: press have... Fairy Book,
3: for right. example. Yeah. yeah. Um, um,
0: Brian Froud. <laughs> yes, another, Brian
1: He's got a field guide to goblins, which is also really good. That's pretty oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say goblins and trolls and, you know.
2: Do
0: elves fall into that category as
1: well? Elves tend to be uh, trooping fairies. So trooping, they, yeah. they move through the woods from place to place. They have uh, a belt and home and a Samhain home, and they move across the landscape. And so when you're out in the woods, you might meet a troop of fairies. And you may recognize this from Lord of the Rings. The, the films, uh, the extended editions, you can see the fairies moving through the woods and the hobbits come up and they look down mm-hmm. and they see them. Um, should you ever run across them in the woods, uh, be very, very quiet. You don't want to do that. But um, uh, and, and the, the only ones that I have ever seen with my own eyes have been just small blue lights.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. That right there. That, that is one of the things that really got me curious about this conversation, because, I mean, you see the lens flares in a photograph or, you um, know... The orbs. The orbs, nice. yeah, totally. But there are definitely those moments where it's like, no, that's blue. That's like bright yeah. blue, mm-hmm. and it's not really reflecting off of anything, or, no, that's, that's very, very green, and it's just kind of hovering and mm-hmm. and looking otherworldly oh, and out of place. it's just swamp gas. Yeah, or it's just swamp gas. In, in, <laughs> or you're sniffing gas. <laughs> in, in,
1: in the experience that I had, I was out camping and I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. That's what you do when you're camping? I walked down the, the side of a mountain and out of the corner of my eye, I I caught this, this light blue. And I looked and it was gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of turned my head away and there was more of it. Mm. And it's it was, if I looked directly at it, it would disappear. It was that faint.
2: Mm.
1: So it was the the amount of light it gave off that prevented me from seeing it when I looked directly at it. But when I looked to the side, I could see these faint blue lights. And I was able to get very close to them, because I was close, because they were so faint. Um, and... If I'd wanted to, I could have reached out and touched them. They were they were this close, you know, just barely a hand in front of me. Um, and they were too slow-moving to be anything that I would be, that I would know. Um, they were not lightning bugs. Lightning bugs don't look like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was close enough to know what they weren't, um, but I couldn't really tell what they were. They were very tiny and just kind of floating there in the air, um... And like I said, I could have touched them. I didn't. I'm very happy I didn't. But that's my that's I can't explain it any other way, mm-hmm. other than to say the only thing that I know how to explain this with is these are fairies. Right. Um and it was it was a surreal experience. Um and I have I would say it was a dream, but I had seen them again as well. Right. So I, I have a very firm Notion that this was a real experience.
0: Mm-hmm. The um, you mentioned earlier the the hospitality and the rules of hospitality. There's a very popular. Um, trend right now of creating fairy homes um, and fairy spaces and if you walk through Michael's Crafts, I guess I'm obsessed with Michael's Crafts right now. Um, if you walk through one of their aisles, they have an entire section just dedicated to the tiny houses and tiny trees and tiny accoutrements for, for fairies. Oh. Is this something that you recommend that people do and create a space? or?
1: Yes. I, I probably would. So Fairies that you invite in, and I think you do have to be kind of careful about who you invite in and and what you're offering when you do that. Um, Be clear about your terms. Again, contracts. They're big on contracts. Um, But if you build a fairy house like one of those you would get at Michael's, then I recommend also making offerings at that fairy house. Otherwise, you will never find your keys. Or your glasses, <laughs> or whatever it is that you typically lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true for all housewives.
3: It you, is. You know, you live in space with these creatures anyway.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Whether you you build them a little fairy house or not. Right. Yeah. So why would you not? Yeah. You know, one of the things we have in between our uh, dining room and our kitchen that I didn't mention in the altars is <laughs> we have a bunch of plants, and in that and along those plants we have a little fairy. Um, it's not really a house, but it's cave. A, a cave. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and we are—we uh, make sure that we give them offerings because, like Michael said, you know, your house whites, the, those things that you live with, the brownies of the house, those are the ones that are going to steal your wallet when you need it, and then you spend three hours looking for it, only to find it on the couch where you've looked five times, right. and it's because they're having fun with you, or like you know. Or protecting you from getting in a car accident that you might get yeah, into if you were five maybe, hours earlier. That's right. Yeah. Who <laughs> knows why? But
1: you know. But the idea is that you, you need to live with these things respectfully. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, the Metro Park system here in Columbus um, does every spring and fall they do come out to the park and build fairy houses,
2: oh. and they provide
1: uh, some biodegradable stuff like leaves and bark and twigs cool. and seashells and things like that, and you can go out with your kids and build fairy houses out mm-hmm. in the park. Oh my
2: goodness.
1: It's pretty cool.
2: That is um, very rad.
1: So, yeah, check local listings.
2: <laughs> You'll find
1: them. Um, but I, I really do... Th- I, I think in that case, when you're, when you're going out into the woods and building those houses and things like that, you're not creating the same obligation as you are if you invite them into your house to live there. Mm-hmm. Um... But uh, the fairies are always looking for for new places to live. Um, we have uh, next to the sidewalk where we walk the dog every day. Um, in the late summer, there is a plethora of little tiny mushrooms that mm-hmm. grow up along one of the the sidewalks. And uh, I told the kids, it's, it's a it's a fairy village, a fairy city, mm-hmm. and they. Totally took to the idea. Mm-hmm. And when all the mushrooms went away in the winter, I'm like, where'd all the mushrooms go? And I told them, you know, the, the fairies, they move at Samhain. They up and leave. Mm-hmm. And the houses will come back in the spring when, when they come back. They're like snowbirds.
3: There, yeah, they are. They sound like
0: the birds, Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Okay. But, Migratory. Uh,
3: yeah. So cool. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting to think about, um, like when we moved from where we rented here in Clintonville when we bought our house, we at the end of it we put a box in the middle of the floor and told any of them that wanted to go with us, you know, here here's here's your opportunity. You're welcome to come with us. If not, we thank you for for sharing space with us, and we wish you love and luck. You know. But our our intent was that if anything wanted to go with us, it, it could. And then at the new space, um, it was kind of obvious that the land spirits and the house spirits were thankful that we were there and caring for the place because it had been kind of neglected. Right. Um, so it was kind of interesting. But it, it brought a, a an idea and a conversation like like when when settlers came, did they? bring fairies with them and was there a great fairy war or was they an accepted thing that hey you're you're you know how, how what was that interaction like between your you know fa- fairies that may have came from
1: another place and the fairies that were here oh well, I mean we clearly brought our own traditions with us exactly and part of those traditions I mean you you look around and you think about about uh, the way that fairies might manifest these days in common culture and common parlance, and you think about things like cryptids. So your Loch Ness monster, your Sasquatch, mm-hmm. um, Moth your Mothman—exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of these things are very much like um, what we, ex- you know, the the same kinds of things that people experience for thousands of years. They just have a kind of an updated. Look to them—a look and feel—and mm-hmm. it's not always all that updated. A chupacabra looks very much like a puka, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah. For example, and um, even the the stories of of aliens and UFOs and uh, abduction—all of that—you you lose time in an alien mm-hmm. abduction. For example, you uh, see strange things that you wouldn't expect to see. Um, well, there's a natural tie-in between that and angels. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yep. oh right.
1: Yep, being visited by angels is very much like being visited by a, a fairy that is looking out for you
0: um, or maybe has other intentions or has other intentions yeah. I
1: mean if, if you know your angels they're not all that cute and fluffy yeah, if
0: you like, watch a lot of supernatural like I do you know <laughs> that angels are dicks yeah unless they're cast Um <laughs> but I digress the
1: the other thing the the other way that I, I commonly interact with fairies is when my kids were born um, I read up heavily on changelings
2: mm-hmm. because you
1: know you, know, you don't want to lose your kid, you know that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the there there are several ways to keep changelings out. You can hang the your uh, your pants over the the crib
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they don't like people clothes for some reason, um, and uh, that's one way to keep changelings out. The other thing that I did was I carved up little spirit houses. Which are the same size as the of spirits that we sell here at the shop, and uh, I put a uh, an iron nail
2: ah. in
1: because they
2: don't fairies like don't iron. like
1: iron. They don't mm-hmm. like cold iron, yeah. um, okay. and that is uh, that is how I've kind of kept my kids from being plucked out of their room over all these years. And they still have their spirits. They sit in the window and they keep keep watch.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Is there anything in the lore about identifying a changeling? Like, if, if oh yeah, the kid, how do you know?
1: Uh, the kid completely changes their behavior. Um, they might get ugly. <laughs> That's a pretty common <laughs> Great. one. Great, okay. Um, but usually, it's crying or um, being inconsolable or uh, um, the when they cough a lot. What's that? Colic. Colicky.
2: Colic.
1: croup. Yeah, yeah. all of those kinds of things. Becoming more sickly. Not gaining weight even though they're being fed. All of those are are common indicators in the lore of of changelings. Um, And... In a lot of cases, I just think... That those or a convenient excuse of why your or, kid dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <excuse> it is.
2: <laughs> um,
1: well, oh. it, it, it explains it. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone had stolen my kid. This is not my kid. And it's a part of the grieving process is denial. Right. And yeah. anger. Yeah. And all of these things can play together, especially if you're in the mindset to be thinking about um, fairies mm-hmm. and about having them in your life and being in a world full of Spirits that you don't understand how they work. Mm-hmm. They're not malevolent, as I said, but they're weird and mm-hmm. they're different. And your child being taken from you is not a normal thing and it's not something anyone should ever, ever, ever have to deal with, mm-hmm. right. and yet we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is a logical and reasonable response, I tend to think, oh, yeah. to, to those sorts of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: other <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's not leave it on that note.
3: Well, I, my, the biggest question for me has, has always been, was Black Sabbath right? Do they indeed wear boots? <laughs> Certainly,
1: I think they do. <laughs> I have seen them. Not wear
3: boots.
2: <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, I'm not sure I've ever seen them. If I have, they, they were just little floaty lights.
1: Yeah. The other thing that you'll, you'll find is that uh, fairies have some... Particularly elves, so it's something called elf shot or troll shot,
2: mm. and
1: it makes people sick. They they've got little little tiny bows and arrows is usually how it's described, and they, they just take aim at people that they don't like or people who step too close to their homes, and they shoot them.
2: Cupid, draw <laughs> your bow, yeah. And let your arrow cloud. If you're <laughs> if you're really
1: interested in a nifty television show mm. that that shows kind of the way that fairies work. Um, I recommend Hilda on Hilda. Netflix. Okay. It's amazing. Um, and it's given me a new way to talk about these spirits with my kids, even though it's a little bit scary for my five-year-old twins. Mm-hmm. Um, so they haven't watched it yet. But I tell them, you know, they if, if they feel worried about trolls, I tell them things like, trolls, they don't come out during the day. And we've read The Hobbit, so... We've right. got that
3: covered as mm-hmm. well. Wait a minute.
1: You're, you're watching Netflix because you're researching for the
3: twins? <laughs> <laughs> you <watching> for twins? <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> okay, I'll but, um, buy it, I guess. But no,
1: it's, it's really very good, and they're half-hour episodes. It's excellent. But, um, you know, I have conversations with my kids where when we talk about trolls, they're like, well, where do trolls come from? I said, well, they're made out of mountains. They come from the stone. They are the stone, and they go back to the stone. And oh, having um, those kinds of conversations yeah. about where those spirits come from and what they're made out of and how, they, how the constituent parts of the cosmos and the earth come together to form them yeah. is, a, is a great way to teach them about how they can interact with the world and how the world can remain magical for them right. as they continue to grow and it makes the world
0: more magical for me too yeah and the stewardship of of the earth you know the, the concept especially in druidry of of being here partly to guard over the the well-being of the earth i mean creating an anthropomorphic kind of relationship assists in i think creating that for them mm-hmm. that's super neat yeah
2: do gnomes work the same way? Because what you said, the trolls come out of mm-hmm. the mountains because all my millennials out there know because I'm 31 and we grew up on OG Nick Jr. So... yeah, <laughs> David the gnome. Yes. <laughs> and that tragic, horrible ending when they turn back into the tree, they go to die pretty much. What? And they turn... It's like beautiful, but it's like for a kid, I was crying. you seriously scarring. I was like, what? Like, you know, so... And that, that they say goodbye to all their animal friends and they were basically explaining death. Like, it's okay, you know, we're... Going to be the trees and yeah, yeah. David yeah. the gnome.
0: Okay. Yeah. Your note to self: never ever show my child David the <laughs> gnome. Good to know.
1: Start with gummy bears.
0: Gummy bears. It's it's
1: also very good on the uh, the that kind of thing, but okay. you know, not not nearly as
2: yes. scarring oh, as David the gnome shit. can be because love all that stuff. Eureka's yeah. Castle, like all those shows, are so oh. good. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for. Uh, illuminating some of those those facets of the Fae. Um, I feel pretty inspired to go check out more. Do you recommend any books in particular?
1: Um Grimm's Fairy Tales. Yeah. I yeah, mean, start much. start with that. Yeah. Um, reading things like Rumpelstiltskin. Stiltskin. Oh, read the yes. originals. Um, well you'll, you'll see
3: where, where the originals lie versus the Disney versions of so many of these tales. And oh, you'll see yeah, that you know yeah, there's the morality yeah. of of some of them and then you know, yeah, they're, they're, but they're, they're, they can be dark. Yeah, yeah. if
1: if you read folktales though, that's where that's where you start. It, read Rip Van Winkle, the, yeah. ri- the original of that. Read the original Rumpelstiltskin, um, and spend. Really, the best thing to do is to to spend time thinking about things as having spirits and how those things get tended, how those spirits get tended. So every tree has its spirit. How does that tree's spirit interact with the world around it? And there has to be something that moves from place to place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What does that look like? And the more you think about those kinds of things, the easier it is to understand, I think, how fairies and spirits and things like that work in our world.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Michael. In their world, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, this is there, there more than hours belong to them first and they'll be here them. later Hello. clunky little meat sacks <laughs> meat, meat spirits sacks. we meat are sacks. meat
1: spirits <laughs> your food like product
0: <laughs> this has been Pig and Gumbo podcast I'm here with Michael Seamus and Sequoia hi I'm Forrest and your sponsors have been the Magical Druid Store here in Columbus Ohio Visit MagicalDruid.com to peruse all of the wares and uh, your other wow. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I, I think I'm I'm being molested by fairies right now. I can't speak very well. Kind of out of it. Newequivalentdesigns dot com, purveyors of chic magique, and take us out of here, Seamus, because I can't talk anymore. Apparently.
2: Bye. <laughs>